Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to uh, Joshua chapter 20, if you would, please. Now, I've been working on and praying through this amazing word, and I see, uh, oh, there he is. You know, I was thinking about just last week a little bit, and uh, Pastor Ken, I'll tell you something. This is a sort of an inside, only Lowe's on the inside knew this, but I'm going to bring you in on the inside, okay? This is, this is special. But uh, Pastor Ken, right, he spoke. He did an amazing job last week. What you don't know, no, don't, don't clap yet. What you don't know, that's one of your kids. What you don't know is he had 15 minutes notice. So I, I, I called him, and I was unable to come in for a couple reasons, and I said, so, Ken, you're on with 15 minutes notice. And he did great, didn't he? Yeah. Can you imagine what would have happened if he had a whole day? <laughs> now you can applaud Pastor Ken. Nice job. <laughs> he really did. That was amazing. That's that so great to have a team. I have an amazing team. You have an amazing team. You know, we are so blessed. We have so great people. You know, this... Um, this passage comes out of some experiences in my life as well as experiences with others. And the Lord really gave me a, a word a while ago, and it's now been kind of growing, if you will, like a seed that's been planted, and the word was, come under my wings. And the idea of being under his wings has just taken on something that we saw in the first service, I believe we'll see again, you know, God did some pretty amazing ministry. There's something about learning how to, and I want you to get this because this message is about, I, I think, an understanding of how we live life as believers. You know, we're going to see in a moment that God has uh, given us in Joshua something that's really an amazing word picture called the cities of refuge. We're going to see in a couple of the Psalms how God even uses the word picture and the importance of coming under his wings, and really they're one and the same thing. The thing that I've learned in doing this is that we're to come under God's wings or to move into a place of refuge when we need it. But here's the thing I want you to get. You don't live there. I think one of the things that we don't totally understand is that there are times when we go through difficulties and rough moments. You're living life, you're, you're working hard, and you hit a rough spot. What do you do? Well, here's what this word is. You come under the wings of God. And then while you're there, God refreshes you, re-strengthens you, renews you. But you don't stay there. You get back out in the living life. And here's the news I want, the good news, is that it's always there for you to get under his wings. Because you get out there and it's like, and you'll see as we, in a moment, it may hit you again. There may be another rough spot. What do I do? Get back under the wings of God. And so I want you to begin to see this concept of how you and I live life, an ebb and flow of, of allowing God to strengthen us and renew us and reinvigorate us and help us to you know, handle the things that come our way. Because there are just times when we're living life and we're doing good. And Now, this is not to say God, God is always with us. So don't misunderstand. God is always with us, always present. But there are times when there's a special need 
to come extra close to God and let him cover us. Let him shelter us. And then when that time is done, you get back out, he's still with you, but you live life. That's an important way of living. Now, in, uh, in Joshua, we see here in these first couple of verses that you know, the Lord's about to give instruction. Now, you've got to understand, the time period here is when a nation is being reestablished. This is a time in Israel's history where, okay, they have, they've, they've really come out of a, a lot of stuff, you know, obviously, out of bondage to Egypt, a lot of things are happening. And right now, they are in the midst of a, establishing the nation. And as you know, God said to the, you know, the, the tribes of Israel, go and here's your peace, and they kind of parceled out the land. Uh, there was only one tribe that got nothing, if you will, and that was the Levitical tribe. And they were told that, okay, your job is to disperse yourselves among, there are probably at this time about 48 cities, maybe, give or take. And so at this time, it was like, okay, go to all the cities, and you are my representatives. You're the priesthood. You're going to go and make sure God's people stay holy, and you would be recognized as the leaders. And as you go and do this, God says, but we're also going to establish something that's very important. We're going to establish six cities of refuge. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. But I want you to understand something that's important in, in just this whole development of a system of life, of a way of living, if you will. This was a community system. And I, I thought this was interesting, and it's a little bit of an aside, but when you think about what's going on right now and the establishment of a priesthood, you begin to realize God is saying the central focus is going to be me and my community. Here's what I see happening today, is that there's a very subtle move to draw us away from that central focus. And we call it specializing. So what happens today when you have a situation going on, if it's legal, then you go to a legal person. If it's medical, you go to a medical person. If it's XYZ, you go to that specialty. And the church, well, we're only for religious things. That is not biblical. I want you to understand we're developing a community here. Now, I am not in any way dismissing anything to do with attorneys or doctors or uh, you know, any of the professions. But often what happens is we are not wise in utilizing the resources we have. See, what I'm hoping, and here's what part of this is teaching us, is that when you get a rough spot, you turn to your church. You turn to the Lord God, and you utilize the resources available to you. You know, I can't tell you how many times someone has sit in my office, and they've said X, Y, Z. And I said, you know, why didn't you give us a call? Because we could have helped here. I just had that conversation last week. And, and the words that came back, you're right, I should have. Now, I want you to know, I have a jar that's titled, Should Haves. And every time I hear that, I put it in front of you, and I demand a quarter from you. <laughs> so I can build up my coffee resource fund. That jar has been filled many times over the years, because I have heard the words, I should have. I should have called. Because I have said these words, man, I know someone in the church who could have really helped you. Or I know this resource that is unbelievable. 
because I'm hearing the stories of things aren't quite working well. And I said, you know, we really could have come alongside of you in this. We could have been praying with you and, and helping you walk through this. And now you're telling me when we're way down the road, that's not the system God has set up. So I want you to begin to hear that what God is teaching us is that there's a centrality, if you will, of what God has ordered. And we got to be careful because the, the world's going to push us away. The world is trying to convince you and I of a new system. And so if you want to do something, then you go to all these specialties. You, 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 know, you go online and search out what you need. And then you go that direction rather than utilizing the amazing resources you have right here. I'm going to tell you something. You don't know how blessed you are because a lot of you have not utilized. We have absolutely amazing people around here. Not only our staff, but the resources of, of, of people around here is absolutely astounding. I've got people that you know, you call me and say, hey, what do you think about this? And they come up with absolutely intelligent, God-filled, amazing responses, and then we're able to help people. It, it's just, it's unbelievable what we have here. And so I want to encourage you as we go through this to understand a biblical principle that really is being laid out for us as God says, here is how we live life. Here is the system of living life. And, and again, I want to be clear also, just to qualify, this isn't all coming to me. I, I'm, I'm really, a, I'm kind of like a dispatcher. I, I, I'll hear things and, you know, I, I learned a long time from Moses. Remember Moses in Exodus and he did a lot of the delegation. I am so good at giving stuff away. You call me, and I, I, matter of fact, I'm going to say, hey, I, there's someone so much better to talk to. And that would be true. We have some, um, again, amazing people. So we hear in Joshua here, the Lord said to Joshua, now tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed Moses. Uh, anyone who kills another person accidentally and unintentionally can run to one of these cities. Uh, there, will be a place, there will be places of refuge from relatives seeking revenge for the person who was killed. Now, again, we're reestablishing a new system, if you will, of living life. Here's a new community. And so if you were to characterize, I was thinking, how do I characterize Israel at this time? I would say a little bit like the wild, wild west. And you think about that, it was kind of like, okay, the only law we have was I carry on my hip kind of a thing, you know? And because and, they were still establishing the court systems and, you know, and again, the court systems were through the temple and, and through the synagogues and, and all these things. You know, they were still kind of in the midst of developing this. And so they were, something was happening and of course, we're preparing for the event that, okay, so you go out and let's say, for example, you um, are going into the woods to cut a tree down. And so you and your buddy go out there and you got your axe and you're you know, hacking away and getting some wood for the fireplace or you're going to build something. And unfortunately, as you're doing this, the axe head flies off and hits your partner and kills them. Oh, you're in a panic. You run and go get the family members and they come on the scene. They look at this and they take one look at you and they think, why? You just killed, you just killed my brother. You just killed my husband. You just killed my dad. And you're going, man, it was an accident. No, it wasn't. You did this intentionally. No, no, it was a total accident, can't you? No, I'm convinced that you did this, not by accident, but you did this intentionally. Now, what do you do? Well, you run. <laughs> and you run to a city of refuge. 
Because here's what happens is that in these six cities, they were all positioned within all the other cities to be within a day's journey. That was the design of the layout, if you will, the city plan, the, the country's plan. And, so, and they were well marked. You read in the word that they, they were required to have clear signs. You know, the, the roads were right there. The only thing you had to worry about is you don't want to trip and fall on your way there and sprain your ankle. Because what's happening is... So after this happened, right, the family is really angry, and they get together and they meet, and they, get to, and they start talking. They said, this wasn't no accident. And so they talk to maybe the local leader there, and then they hire out what's called the blood avenger. The blood avenger. Sounds like a Marvel comic evil person. You could do a comic book out of that. The blood, and his job is to go get you and to kill you. Now, here's the deal. The only way he can't get you is you gotta get to the city of refuge before he gets you. Man, does that get your heart going? Right? And if you get into the city, even though he might follow you in, he can't do anything to you until a couple things happen. One of which, a trial has to take place, and that has to be formed. And in the city of refuge, they were, they were able to do trials. And so they would go ahead and, and decide whether or not, and if you were going to be innocent, then okay, you're, the blood avenger had to leave you alone. If you were not innocent, eh, then the city turns you over to the blood avenger and you're in trouble. So the idea is there's a place to run to. And I want you to begin to understand the importance of, run, of, of what God does with that. Because the idea here is that, and I want you to see this beyond the concept of just relating to the accidental death of someone. But again, this is God's word picture to help us understand him. Because he's saying here, I want you to understand my heart. I want you to know who I am. And so I've created this. Matter of fact, Jesus even said in Matthew, he said that you are the lie of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so even that concept, and they were thinking about this concept, these were all places that were, again, high up, easily accessible places that you could get to. And you begin to think of even the names and the characteristics that are assigned to this. So you think of, so here they're actually, you'll notice the little uh, 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 small pictures there, whether you see them or not, not as important just to recognize. Of the six cities, five of them are still in existence in Israel. So only one is no longer there. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this as I was developing. I thought, wouldn't it be great to do a trip to Israel and visit the six cities of refuge and go to each city and spend a couple days there and spend two weeks? Can you see a minute of that? Well, well, at least I got a dozen of you going with me. Praise God. <laughs> Look at the names. The Hebrew meaning of Kadesh or Kadosh is a place of holiness. The root word kadosh means to be separate from or to be apart, holy. So here's a city that you run to that has its namesake of holiness. Shechem is the place that take on burdens. Here's a place you're running to that helps carry burdens. Uh, Hebron, the place of community that we run to, the place that you have this amazing uh, opportunity of fellowship. Bazaar, uh, uh, the, the place of foreign, of um, Fortification, the idea of being fortified, a place of literally, you could translate it, 
protection. And then you have the, the place to be lifted up, Ramoth, a place to be lifted up. To, again, the idea here is to be supported. So you're, you're on the ground. I'm going to lift you up so you can stand. And then go on. You've heard of go on heights, right? A place of joy. I mean, you've got to think, not joy like I'm happy, but man, if you're running to the city of refuge and you walk in and you're thinking, I made it. I've gotten to the place of joy. And you think, I'm here at Golan, Beth Golan, the house of joy. And you've arrived, you're there. And so you begin to think, this is what God offers us. These are the characteristics, the, the things that we have. When we run to God, we run to a place that's holy, that takes on burdens, that has this fellowship and community that's protective, that will lift you up, and that will bring joy and peace. Can you say amen to that? That's exciting. And God says, I have this for you when you're in difficult times, when you're struggling and going through the rough times. God says, here it is. I provide a place. And when you feel like the blood avengers on your heels and running you down, there's a place to go. And I realize the blood avenger may not be some person assigned to get you. It could be a health issue. It could be, man, you, you get a call from your boss and he's got that tone and you've heard the rumors about the cutbacks. He says, hey, I need to see you Monday morning. It could be the doctor calls and says, well, I got the lab results, results back. Not so good. I need you to go see a specialist. You, you, get, the, you get the message from one of your kids that texts you and says, no, I'm not coming back. I mean, you read Facebook and all of a sudden someone blasts you on Facebook. These are the moments that the Word of God is saying, okay, these are hard times. Run to me. Because if you find yourself, I was just talking to someone, you're, you're, you're overwhelmed, you're anxious, you're tired, you might be depressed, you might just, everything, you just might be stressed. And you need strength. Too often what we do is we go to God last rather than first. I want to encourage you that there's a place to go where he, you will be renewed and strengthened, and then you can get back out there and keep going. So there is physical and emotional refuge. You know, when I think of these cities of refuge and coming under his wings, I think it's a shelter. I mean, look at this passage. It, it talks about this, this idea, be my rock of protection, a fortress where I'll be safe. You are my rock and my fortress for the honor of your name. Lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap of my en the enemies have set for me. Uh, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit in your hands. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. Look at those last two sentences. Read them with me. Let's, let's read them together uh, out loud and together right here. Ready? Begin. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. Wow. Doesn't that feel good to say that? God is faithful. He's a shelter to run to. And again, it's just, you need to know, it's like, there are shelters, right? We have warm shelters during really exceptionally cold times. We have, you know, bomb shelters, depending upon where you live. There's 
I've been, when I was in Denver, there were tornado shelters and there's hurricane. I mean, there's all kinds of shelters. And it's one of those things where you don't think about it till you need it. And all of a sudden, like you remember Hawaii? All of a sudden, everyone gets the text message. Um, missile inbound. <laughs> you know, find the nearest shelter. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, we're still hearing conversation about that, people running and thinking, where is the shelter? And I remember someone said, yeah, it was, they said, follow the signs. And they said, what signs? And the guy said, over there, it says shelter with an arrow. And all of a sudden, because no one even saw it, no one even thought about it until the alarm was sounded. You see, I think a lot of Christians are like that. The alarm sounds, and you hear the call, run to the shelter. Everyone's going, where? What shelter? Where do I go? <laughs> and you have no idea where to go or even how to get there. And then you just kind of melt in your panic and your overwhelmingness and all the things that are going on. And you get in this place and you don't realize physically, emotionally, whatever you're going through, God's there for you to run to. But you got to know how to get there. You know how to get into the door. You know, it's so critical that you and I understand the importance of this shelter that we have. There's a spiritual and relational shelter. God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of, what's that word? Say it again, of what? That word translate, anxiety. In times of anxiousness. God, it says there, the Lord, and I love this, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, look at that says, the Lord of heaven's armies? I mean, there's armies? <laughs> I mean, that's like way cool. And you begin to realize you have a resource, a spiritual resource that is absolutely unbelievable. And so when you're feeling chased down by broken relationships or hurt relationships, the, the troubled, anxious relationships, you know, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in a time of trouble. And so it says he will cover you with his feathers. Did you know God has feathers? <laughs> oh, that's what a great, I mean, again, you realize we're getting a word picture here. I'm going to talk about it in a second. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Your armor and your protection. We learn about how important armor and protection is. Right, the other day, you know, I had our marine dressed up and had armor and protection. I mean, that's if, if you're guarding something, if you're involved in things, you got to wear your armor and your protection. And and here's the the word of God is saying: if you come and let me cover you, you can regroup, you can rest, you can recover, you can renew your strength on the shelter of His wings. You know, I, I learned a long time ago that one of the things they train you. I'm thinking about the military. They train anyone in the military knows there are times when you, you got to you got to get a rest. Sometimes to win a battle, you got to have a retreat. Because you can't keep pushing forward and going, going, going. Because if you do, someone's going to get hurt. And again, that's true for us too. You just, I, I think some of us live with the philosophy, I'm going to push through. And then when it's too much, then you find, think, well, maybe I'll turn to God. You know, maybe I'll call for some help. And the Word of God is telling you that's the first thing you want to do is come to Him. You know, come to a place where you can allow him. And again, the word picture here is very much that of 
like a, a chicken, a, a hen that covers her little, you know, uh, little babies. You know, if you ever watched National Geographic, I love the duck one, right? You ever watch mom with her little ducklings and they're swimming around, all of a sudden the hawk is flying over and the alarm, the alarm goes off and all the cute little babies start running to mom and she kind of huddles them up and covers them and they're safe and then once the danger's gone, mom kicks them out and says, go play outside. <laughs> And the next time danger comes, they swim right back to mom and she covers them up. That's exactly what's happening here. All of a sudden, something's flying over and you're, you're in a panic. You don't just freeze, you run under the covering of God. And it says right here, he will shelter you, he will protect you. And look what it says, his faithful promises are our armor. Ever thought about that? The promises of God is what is your armor. It really helps us and protects us. Hurting people need refuge. The Lord is a Guinness. There it is. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, difficulty, anxiety. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Now, I want you to look at that. Read this with me. Let's read it together out loud. Ready, begin. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Okay, here's the key point. Those who know your name. That's critical. Because I, I believe some of us don't really, and the word there is yada. The word there is intimately know. And when you know someone's name, and you know, then you know who they are. You know, there's, there's people who know me well and know my name. Then there's a lot of people who call me maybe, you know, by my last name or by my title. And there isn't the same intimacy there as the idea of just knowing me as Steve, who lives at home and who lives life just like all the rest of us, and that my kids and my family and my friends know me, and they would say, I know your name. In other words, I know you really well because I've lived with you. We've, we've shared life together. The same thing needs to be true of our God. Do you know the name of the Lord our God? There's an intimacy implied there. And then when you, and when you enter, then you know, it's almost like, well, duh. He's not going to abandon me because I know who he is. This is a no-brainer. But if you're not certain of who he is and the characteristic of his name, then it's easy to feel abandoned. And I've often noticed that one of the characteristics of people who feel abandoned and orphaned by God is because they really don't know God. And the reason they feel abandoned is because they haven't taken the time to know God. And I think things haven't happened the way they want it. A lot of times we feel abandoned because we feel abandoned because, especially from God, because he didn't do what we asked him to do. God, I prayed that you would heal. And my loved one died. What's wrong with you, God? And then we feel abandoned. Lord, I prayed and this thing didn't come through. 
I thought I would get the check in the mail. Instead, I'm not, things aren't going well. Where are you, God? Here's something I want you to know. God will never leave you and will never forsake you. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and, 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 and he was saying, man, I just feel abandoned by God. And he was going on and on. And he just said, where is God? And his he was being frustrated. And I kind of came back and I said, listen, just turn around. He said, what do you mean? Seriously, turn around. That's where God is. You turned away. God has not left you. You just got to turn and do an about face and you'll find him. And a lot of us find ourselves in that same place. It feels like, aren't you thankful that we don't operate on our feelings? It feels like God's abandoned me, but the truth of it is, God has not abandoned you. You're the one who turned around. You know, I, I could do this. The church has abandoned me. Where are they? I'm all alone here. This is an empty place. Where is everybody? Oh, there you are. <laughs> that seems really silly, doesn't it? But that's exactly what we do. That's what this word is directing us in. To understand that God is there. And when you're hurting emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, you need refuge. You need God. So how do you find refuge, the refuge of God today? So something very practical here and what we see in this passage is really three very simple things we need to do. It's kind of like, what's the key? How do I get into the city? How do I get through the gate? Uh, I was thinking the idea, what's the password, right? We all have passwords today. Isn't that exciting? I love passwords. <laughs> Hallelujah for passwords. <laughs> you know, the other day I was getting into a program and said, uh, we're sorry, you need to renew your password. Please enter it in. You know, because I have the automatic thing, right? I'm going, I have no idea what my password is. And then my life was turned upside down for about an hour trying to get a new password. <laughs> Aren't we thankful God is not that way? <laughs> His password is a little bit different. But the first thing we need to do is realize that we got to call out to God. And I think sometimes we get to that place where we finally do. But I want you to see what it says underneath there. The first move is always ours to make. See, again, we make this crazy mistake and live life as somehow, well, God, you come to me. I'm here, God, so rescue me. And God says, nothing, really. You're going to just get silence. And God's just waiting for you to call out to him. I think a lot of times our pride stops us. Sometimes we're so hurt we get stopped. But the reality of this is, the first move is ours to make. We cannot live independently of God. I, I, I'm using this term because I know a lot of you think well, we need to be dependent upon God, and, and I, I agree. But I'm using the word interdependent. The reason I'm using that term is because some of you are using dependent as, in a wrong way. Interdependent means we're a team. We work together. The idea of being interdependent says, you know what, God, thank you for the brain you gave me. Thank you that I can use that brain. Thank you that I'm an intelligent human being. I have experiences, I have life. But you know, I also recognize with all those things going for me, I really do need you. And so we have to do this together because, and again, the idea, there are times, God, when I need to get really close to you, and there are times when I can, I can go ahead and pull back and not be under your wings in that special situation. 
but I'm always interdependent on you. you I, I, I can never live without you. The, the psalmist said, when he calls upon me, then I will answer him. So he's always there, but you notice the construction of the sentence. And it says clearly, when he calls. I'm there. And when he calls on me, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And so what's the verb telling us to do? Call. Pick up the phone and dial God. Right? I mean, the idea here is you call on him. So this is a critical. Now the next step, the next step we make is we pour it out. Here it is. End the silence and start pouring it out. You need to verbalize this. Talk about it. Hear yourself speak and pour out your heart. It says, pour out our hearts to God for he is a refuge for us. One of the problems we have is we stuff it inside and we keep it inside of us. And I got to tell you, I've said this many times, until this comes out, you're not going to be okay. No, I'm okay. I'm doing fine. No, no, you're really not. But that's okay. I'm, I'm, uh, we're here. We're going to walk this through with you. But it hasn't come out yet. You haven't dealt with this yet because you haven't poured it out yet. And, and look what happens when you do. I mean, I put Psalm 32 up there. So when I didn't pour it out and I kept silent, my bones wasted away through, all, through my groanings all day long. My strength was sapped in the heat of the summer. I dried up. When you hold it inside of you, you're going to dry up emotionally. One of the tragedies that I see are human beings who are somehow in denial of this and somehow believe that they're a special conditioned person, that they don't have to do the stuff that God created us to do, and so they somehow are just going to be silently strong. Those are the ones who end up in the worst shape. And so God says, pour out your hearts. Pour it out. Cry it out. I mean, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to come with. And, and, and if you will, Lee's words are the passwords into the city of refuge. When you pour it out, when you are sharing your pain and your frustration and your anger and your passion with God, it's like punching in the password and the gates open. And, you, and now guess what you have to do? you got to walk in. No one's going to push you in. No one's going to drag you in. No one is going to say, you know, grab you by the arm and, you know, okay, kick in the fight. So here's the deal. We're going to encourage you. You need to walk in. Please walk in. But here's the deal. This is, this is critical. You have to walk in. You have to take the first step. You need to take action. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God's there and he has all the grace and, and the life necessary. We're, I'm so excited to look forward to this. We're going to do a series in, a, in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to see that, you know what? We've been made alive by the grace of God. There's something amazing that God has, has brought to us. But here's the deal. You need to call out, pour it out, and then you've got to walk in. And when you do, the way is open. The opportunity is there for us. And then we have this, you know, I was thinking about an illustration. I'll be quick, but Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah. You know Jeremiah the prophet? 
right? I don't know the last time you read. Jeremiah is one of my favorite prophets. I'll tell you two reasons. One, he's just weird. Number two, he's human. He is more human than any other prophets. I mean, I look at some of these other prophets, and I, I love it when prophets just seem so real. And, and Jeremiah was one of those guys. So he's a young guy, right? And God says, okay, Jeremiah, I want you. I'm going to designate you. I'm calling you to be my voice to God's people. And basically, in Jeremiah, he says, absolutely, God, I'm your man. I mean, that's what young guys do. They don't even think. They just jump right in. And so he goes, okay, let's make this happen. Now, here was Jeremiah's experiences. So he started going to the leaders with God's words, and he goes up to the president of the United States. I have God's word for you. He goes up to the leader of the, of the different tribes and nations. I have God's word for you. And they said, oh, yeah, we'd love to hear that. No, what they said is, get out of my face. If you're not out of here, I'm going to shoot you. So Jeremiah says, fine, I'll go to the people. I'll declare the word of God to the people. And guess what they said? Leave us alone. We don't want to hear this. Who are you? And Jeremiah felt like he was knocking his head against a wall, going all over the place, and basically everyone was rejecting him. This guy was miserable. I mean, here's the picture of severe of a severe depressive disorder. <laughs> Listen to this. I mean, this is classic. He goes, um, oh, Lord, where did it go? Okay, here it is. I'm reading from the message because it reads so well. It says, he's talking, Lord, <laughs> first words, you pushed me into this. <laughs> right? It's all your fault. It's basically your fault. And, he, and, he, and then he says, and I let you do it. You were too much for me. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't say no. And now I'm a public joke. They all poke fun at me. And then he goes on and says, man, curse the day that I was born, the day my mother bore me. A curse on it, I say. A curse, and curse the man who delivered the news to my father. You've got a new baby, a boy baby. And look, he says, let the birth notice be blacked out and deleted from the records. <laughs> Is that like really sad? <laughs> I mean, he is, to I love this guy. He is totally miserable. <laughs> but speaking those words are the password into the city of refuge and God is a shelter. And we read later on, Jeremiah literally enters into God's presence. And he and God hang out, finally. And then here's his words. This is later on. He comes out of the, out of, from underneath his wings. Quote, the Lord is with me. My persecutors will not prevail. I will not be forgotten. Sing to the Lord. <laughs> I mean, he is crying out. Now he says, sing to the Lord, praise his name. He has delivered my soul of a needy one from the hand of evildoers. God has rescued me from the enemy. How do you get there? How do you get from declaring, take my name off the birth records to sing to God? By being in the shelter of the Most High God. By finding a place of refuge and coming under the wings of God, 
And we have an eternal refuge in front of us. And it tells us that I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I rest- Look, it says, I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. All it is is it's validating what we just said. It's saying, I have the ultimate place of refuge for you. Its name is heaven. And that day will come. And for those who are humble, and basically we understand, we've received Jesus. We recognize the work of the cross. We understand that he died for every one of us. We understand that he conquered hell and death. We understand that he rose victorious. We know that he ascended into heaven. And because of that, we know that we have a refuge that we will be in for all the rest of eternity, every one of us. It's interesting. As we consider that, I hear God saying, come under my wings. And that happens around his table. You want to know what the key is? The body and the blood of Jesus. The understanding of what God did for us. The clarity of how he rescued us. The realization that in a moment you're going to have a representation of his body and his blood. The grape juice and the matzah. And as you hold that, you think, this is exactly it. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. He, he, then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Isn't it interesting? And I want you to think about this. I'm not going to say a lot. But you think about the connection. What did Jesus say? He said, I poured myself out for you. In other words, he gave up his very life for you. And what is the second thing we need to do in order to get into the city of refuge? We have to pour ourselves out. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. I want you to hold these two elements and think, Man, if you are in a place that you need the refuge and shelter, the wings of God to cover you, it's available right now. Right here. All you got to do is call out, pour it out, and walk in. As we hand out these elements, please hold them so we can share it together. Jesus, thank you.